Welcome to another episode of Life in the Peloton. This episode we're talking to Craig Appeneal, who's an organizational psychologist and a sports psychology researcher. And as you can imagine, we get into the depths of talking about what makes us function on a specific race day and what doesn't. Uh, really interesting. You'll have to excuse the volume in this one as I had a new mic and I was just trying to work it out and didn't quite work, but it's still there. Episode was too good to let go. So just hang in there with the volume and um, just look forward to the next few episodes coming. Hope you enjoy. in Australia and we're here with the Green Edge team, only a small amount of guys and we're doing our typical testing over at the over at the labs, getting uh, prodded and you know, teased or whatever you want to call it. But in one of those sessions we're lucky enough to have Craig Appeneal come along and talk to us a little bit about um, the dynamics of our team and where how to understand each other as um, teammates um, is, is what I got out of it. Maybe Craig can fill us in a little bit more, but it's it's a little bit on the sports psychology side of things as well. Um, and I found it really interesting. I thought, well, I've got a couple of days up here with him. I thought it'd be great to pick his brain um, and find out what's going on with my head in the race, as well as my other teammates' heads um, in the race and outside the race. So welcome to the podcast. That's good to be here. Yeah. Um, I guess I can start off with just a simple of, you know, what do you do? Because I've sort of given you a little intro, but I don't think it's anywhere near exactly what happens. Yeah, so my background is in organizational psychology. Uh, so uh, that's really looking at not only the individual, but how that individual uh, acts in a team, and then also how that team acts within the organization. So it's not just the individual athlete that I'm looking at, but also the systems and the processes, the culture, uh, and even even what's happening outside the organization. So you know things like UCI regulations or like the the recent uh, announcements uh, from ASO reducing the uh, the uh, size of teams for the major races. Like mm-hmm. all that is external environment that that has an impact on the organization, the teams and eventually the individual. Yeah, so it is different levels. It's um, the idea is that you're looking at the whole system. So a team, even an individual, is considered like a complex system. You have an input to your system, the system does its thing, and then there's an output. For a cyclist individually, the input is uh, probably calorie, food, um, you know, what's going on in the race, motivation. So those are inputs. And then your body produces an output, which is power mm-hmm. and that propels you and makes you go fast so um, but just like a team the team has inputs and outputs and um, a system like uh, whether it's the UCI they have inputs and outputs so each system always reacts to the external environment and the key every system individuals teams organizations the the real end goal is to survive mm. we all are either trending towards survival and thriving 
or we're trending towards extinction extinction or death i mean and 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 you know that is it's kind of an odd odd thing to bring into a podcast but you know in reality that's true of people of teams and organizations they don't last forever and i think that's something maybe some people underestimate is that cycling is a team sport even though there is only one winner on the day or one person you know kicking that goal there is a team who helped to produce that result you know whether it's what my job is is the lead out in the sprint I'm trying to propel my sprinter to the to the line on the physical side of things, but also on the psychological side of things. I've started to understand that my job is a bit more than the physical propelling him to the line. It's about preparing for that sprint, making sure that he's feeling confident for that sprint. You know, whether that's the night before, whether that's five minutes before the sprint, um, and that's just something I've worked out along the way. Um, in your job, do you find that is part of it, working out with the different say in cycling our team, the different athletes, helping them understand what their role is in the team to understand their other their other teammates to help them perform better? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a big part of it. Um, so we, we operate well uh, when we have clear roles defined mm-hmm. um, and when there's clear boundaries uh, within, within which we work as individuals. So we know kind of how far we can push it, um, and then also what are what is our role within uh, the situation, um, and then there's other dynamics that come into play like authority, like who is the road captain, for instance, mm-hmm. or what is the DS saying in your ear. Um, so there's authority that that comes into play in those situations. Um, but at the end of the day, it's really about accomplishing the task. Yeah. So you you know what the task is. The team knows what the task is on that given day. And so you you probably as a group are always thinking about what's my role, or you should be thinking about what's your role, um, what what kind of things should I be observing within the larger peloton um, and reacting to those um, dynamics and then making sure that you're following through on your role and again, eventually hitting that task goal mm. of getting the lead out right. Then if everyone has that in their mind, of just doing doing their role and completing the task, then usually the results are what is desired. Now luck comes into play, right? You can do everything perfectly, and then on any given day, you're just not as good as the next team. Mm, there's outside um, factors. Yeah, there's outside factors, but at the end of the day, you can kind of look at it and say, you know what, we did the best we can, and we're proud of the work we did. And you know, we, if we do do this. Uh, again and again like this, nine out of ten, nine times out of ten, we're probably going to get the, the results that we want. It's repeating that consistency, exactly. And that's yeah. something that I remember speaking to some of the, the sprinters and it's like, look, you might have an idea that you can do the sprint really well on your own, but you have to trust, have trust in the system, mm-hmm. our system, lead out train, yeah. that if we can eliminate some of these other factors, you know, risk and chance, and just stick to our plan, then, you know, we're looking at consistency. Say it's going to be seven times out of ten that you're going to win. Yep. That's successful too, you know, um, rather than having a chance that you could win ten out of ten or you could win one out of ten. Yeah. Know, so. And trust is a big piece of, I think, performance and certainly, you know, teamwork. Is when you have high trust, you know that everyone's going to do their job and they're going to be where they need to be when the critical moment comes. But if there's not trust, all that means is that you're probably spending energy worrying about 
whether or not that person's mm-hmm. going to be there. Totally. And yeah. just just like physically on a bike, um, it's all about energy, uh, conserving energy, mm-hmm. right? And and making sure you're using your energy at the right place at the right time. So okay. if you have high trust, you don't have to waste energy worrying. Mental energy. Yeah, mental exactly. energy. Yeah, yeah mental yeah. energy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's a big part of it. And, and I think that extends not just within the road, on, on in a race, but also to that larger team system. You know, if everyone's doing their job, if mechanics are doing their jobs, Swannies and DSs, if everyone trusts that they're capable and and talented at doing their role and it's going to get done, people can just focus on the task at hand rather than kind of in the back of their mind worrying about, you know, is that going to be ready for me? Or, you know, is this is this situation the way it should be? You know, so that's all stuff that, that, that mental energy could be focused on your performance. So now looking a little bit, maybe this is not exactly in your field, but I think you might have an opinion on it, is that looking more at an individual hmm. athlete on the day and exactly what you just said then, that mental energy. I know I've been in that place yeah. many times before in the race where on a given day, I haven't had that mental energy. For whatever reason, I've been clear-minded. I haven't worried about the result. I've had, let's say, in inverted ones, no pressure the pressure coming from myself always, so mm-hmm. this time I didn't have any pressure myself, and I've performed this amazing ride, yet on the flip side of things, I've had all this expectation and I've completely underperformed because physically I know I'm on the mark, mm-hmm. but something's happened there and I feel like I've used up that mental energy and I've lacked that belief to win, I think. Mm. Um, and what I wanted to sort of ask you is, just then you, you said that having that clarity on focusing on that goal and that doing your task at hand is as simple as that as for an individual as well. Even though, you know, look, I've got trust in my teammates. I know they're going to do their job. So that's sort of, you're not using that mental energy. But when it comes to in, an individual role, how do you yeah, so, get so, more, a bit more clear on that, you know? So that's an interesting question. And as a researcher... Uh, I look at the interaction between uh, your motivation as an athlete and the people around you and whether or not they are motivating you to achieve your highest level of performance. So within the, the sports psychology lit- literature, uh, you, they look at um, what, what are your goals or what is um, your goal pursuit uh, I guess, aspirations. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you want to reach a goal. What kind of goal is that? And then they look at uh, what motivates you. And typically, um, there's three areas of motivation. Uh, you're either task-oriented, you're, you're individually oriented, like you want to achieve uh, what, you're, what you feel or think you're capable of achieving. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's oriented towards yourself and your self-belief. And then the the other area of motivation is how you compare to others. So you want to be better than others. Yeah, right. Okay, so those are three areas. And then within those three areas, you're either looking to um, approach those situations. Um, so you want to approach tasks, you're motivated to approach the tasks at hand, um, you're motivated to achieve what so you expect of yourself. Could be like, I'm motivated to win today, that task I want to achieve. 
or it could be just a simple task. It, it would be the task. When I say task, I'm meaning more of like um, a process task where you're saying, um, I want to be, uh, I want to be at the right place right when the lead out train is starting. Okay. So it's not yeah, necessarily yeah. the the result of winning yeah. is outside of your control sure. directly. So it's more about thinking about your tasks. Yeah, what okay. are your tasks? Or maybe it's power output or something like yeah. that, where you know you can look at it and, and try to achieve the task. Or it might be as simple as, um, you know, even outside the race, it might be uh, knowing that you've been uh, executing a big training block you've 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 trained really hard you're really interested in the process and that confidence kind of carries over into the competition because you know that you just tackle all of those process tasks and you can race carefree because you've you know you've done the yeah, the hard yards the rest is up to right. fight use that word yeah. loosely yeah yeah but the on the flip side of this motivation concept is that some people go after these things. They 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 want to achieve tasks. They want to fulfill their their own um, their own destiny, and they want to look better than other people. Mm. Um, then on the flip side, some people they are just highly motivated to avoid looking bad at doing a task. Mm. They want to avoid um, not fulfilling their their own uh, potential, or they want to avoid. Uh, looking bad compared to other people. Mm. So there's that avoidance. So some people... Almost like a negative... Like a negative way. energy. Yeah. Now, what, what I've found um, within some of the, the athletes that I've studied, and, and particularly uh, women professional cyclists, uh, there are certain cyclists that seem to, to perform uh, at a very high level that are motivated across all of those areas. So they, they basically um, try to leverage all of those different areas of motivation while others um, really are focused on one area. So it's kind of interesting. Again, it's, it's research that is still kind of being done, um, but elite athletes really haven't been heavily researched um, because they're a hard, hard group to get a hold of. Yeah. And um, most elite athletes don't like to be poked and prodded with, with surveys and all that kind of stuff. And that's how you measure this. Yeah. So it, but it is interesting going back to your situation so when you're, you line up for the race, you're physically feeling good, um, maybe it's just that something is off with your motivation. Maybe one of those three things. One of those three things or, or all, all three of those. Um, and, and it's really about self-awareness of do you know what really motivates you yeah. to, to hit that, that peak performance? Do you? No, probably not. Like I thought... I thought, I think back to another instance is a few years ago in Paris-Roubaix, I finished 15th. That's mm -hmm. my highest result there. And on that particular day, I was in the breakaway and I was happy to be in the breakaway. Job done, more or less. Yeah. You know, anything after that, I was successful. Yeah, you achieved your, 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 your task yes. from a team perspective, from an individual perspective. So you were happy. I was very happy. Pleased. Yeah. yeah. And yep. everything that I did from there on was a bonus. Yeah. And I got to a point in the race where things were getting tough and my wife was standing on sector seven, mm -hmm. which is seven sectors before the finish. I thought I was about at sector 10. I was hanging. I was really hanging there. By that point, the big guys had sort of caught us from the peloton and the breakaway was wheeling away. There's only a couple of us left. And I thought, geez, it'd be great if I could get to sector seven just to show her I'm in the front, you know? Yeah. So that was my big motivation at that point. I was like, hang on, hang on, one more sector. Eventually I get to sector seven 
I see her there on the side and it was a great moment. And I'm even getting a little goosebumps now. That and awesome. um, at that point, I was like, you know what? Just only six, six sectors to go. Should I try and hang on a bit longer, huh. you know? And as it went, you know, a couple of guys broke away the winners and then the rest of us came in and sprinted for, I think, fifth position or something. So I look back at that day and that's a pinnacle day for me because I think, wow, what was going on that day? Because mm-hmm. I was just doing things that I feel I still haven't done since that day, yet I know I'm a much better athlete physically. And so I think, wow, what was motivating me that day? Was it, I think for me, it was something inside. I wanted to do it for um, for her, for my family. Yeah. It wasn't, I wanted, that was a really hmm. big motivation for me. And then finally at the end, I wanted to do, do a, a good result. Hmm. Um, so if I look at what you just said then, I've had a lot of, a few times that negative motivation, like maybe I'm not going to get a contract or um, I'm going to look bad in front of someone. I feel like that builds up on me too much. And when I race happy and carefree, I seem to race better. But can I create that? I feel when I'm trying to create that atmosphere, I'm creating it falsely mm. and I'm too aware of it myself. And then, yeah. Yeah, so that, that would definitely be a good example of what would be called intrinsic motivation. So you, you intrinsically were mo- motivated from within to perform uh, for, for values, mm. right? Which is another area of, of motivational research that, that I didn't mention. So there's a lot of different research. But, but yeah, that would make a lot of sense. And, and actually, I would say that that kind of motivation, um, if it can be tapped into consistently... Um, that's that's very powerful. I mean, even just the story that you're telling is a, is a powerful story. Yeah. Um, it, it's powerful for you, but it's also powerful for for the listeners. I mean, um, it makes a lot of good sense. Um, so the the other interesting thing that that I do within my research, and it's been helpful for uh, some of the the women professionals that I've worked with, is is how do the people around you how does your support network actually motivate you yeah. and help you um, and provide you energy towards achieving your goals? So everyone that listens to this podcast knows that you love Perry Roubaix. Yeah. Okay, so um, when when I hear that story, um, clearly your your wife is also a main driving force for you to um, to be there and to perform well, and that that to me I think. And, and, and I guess a lot of people in your network probably are also helping you, you know, drive towards those, you know, performance goals. Mm-hmm. You know, the team knows that you're, you're a classics guy um, and, you know, the listeners know that. And so that, in a sense, provides you energy and motivation to, to continue to train hard, to focus on those races and, um, you know, and, and of, of course, luck comes into play as unfortunately you were on the, the wrong side of luck last year yeah. right and had a bad bad stack there but um, can you can you create this um, network around you to suit those needs then is that what you're trying to get at like, that's that is exactly what I'm trying to get at yeah so you know athletes I think athletes in order to get to the elite level um, in a perfect world they have a great support network around them they have uh, you know, sports scientists, they have, um, you know, good, a good Swanee, good masseuse, they have a sports psychologist, they have a, a mentor, maybe a, a former racer, they have some sort of um, governing body support. Um, 
you know, they have a lot of different support networks supporting them. Now, the world isn't perfect, and I don't think that happens for every athlete that achieves that elite level. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so a lot of a lot of elite athletes have just gotten to where you guys are from kind of scratching and clawing and getting your resources and making it happen and just saying, you know, you know, screw it, burn the boats. I'm going to Europe and. And since there's no more boats, I'm, I'm in Europe and I'm going to make this work, you know. Yeah. So there's a lot of different pathways to get to where you are. Um, and then what happens, I believe, is then all of a sudden you find yourself in some place like Girona, um, you know, with maybe a couple couple riding mates. But then you find yourself perhaps isolated. isolated. Yeah. And, and then it becomes really tough. So I believe if you actually... Think about your support network as early on as you can and actually um, consciously design that network to optimize the driving forces towards your career goals. And then on the on the flip side, you also want to make sure that you're reducing the restraining forces that are holding you back in your career. So, um, you know, bad relationships definitely come into play, Um, maybe interpersonal conflict with even family um, or with coaches. Um, so learning how to deal with those kind of uh, negative forces mm. in your network and, and manage them and, and cope being, with them. Yeah, I think being also, like you said then, I think a lot of people don't realize what's happening until someone points it out to them. Yeah. You know? So maybe you're just pursuing this coach or maybe even a relationship and yeah. you're just going along, going along, and you don't realize it's a negative force until someone sort of shakes you and wakes you up and goes... Or even maybe it's you. It has to get to an actual breaking point. Yeah. But you know, you thought, geez, I could have cut that off a year ago. Mm-hmm. And you look back at that year and think, and then, you know, you go on and do something else yeah. that next year. And you're like, wow, that was holding me back. Yeah. Or it could be, a, you know, even a friend that, that you know, maybe takes away from your training routine, um, you know, has you drinking too many good Belgian beers, yeah, exactly. you know. So, so it could be a lot of different things that, that kind of hold you back. And, um, you know, I think it's just something that if you put a little bit of effort trying to understand that network and then basically optimize that network to make sure that it's helping drive you towards that, that um, what I would call just a goal pursuit. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, you want to achieve a certain goal. Um, if you understand your motivations for that goal, you can then kind of try to figure out how to tweak your network. Um, you know, you can understand how to harness that energy. And and then, you know, the, the research that I've done, again, it's, you know, it's elite athletes. So the sample sizes aren't too big. Yeah. Um, so it's not done with too many. But what I see is the athletes with good, solid networks with high levels of, of energy, like people. So the question I ask is when you interact with this person, do you feel do you leave feeling energized? Yeah. Okay. And people with high energy throughout their network and with the proper support people in that network, they perform pretty well. Mm, like they're, they're, they're the top performers yeah. um, within that, you know, again, elite female professional. Um, does, does the goal, I know you mentioned it just a couple of times, the goal setting, is that crucial to also like, are you a big believer in, yeah. you know, simply start the start of the year, let's go through and let's, you know, let's make these goals for the year and then let's look at one, the network, who's going to help me get there or two, the, the motivation to get there. What, what does need, is it, are you a big believer of that? 
Yes, I am. Yeah. Um, but I but I think that the goals need to be less about the results. Yeah. Um, you know, you can have like not win rebate. Yeah, not yeah. win. But on the other hand, you know, you would you could set a goal of of you want to be you know in in the mix. You know, yeah. you want to be at the front end of the peloton yeah. on that day. You know, at a certain point. At a certain race. point. Yeah, and then also within the race, you can break it down to sections of the race. Yeah. You know, that's that's a good goal setting strategy. Um, so you can really kind of break it down into you know kind of that that meta goal. Um, so you could say, look, this this year I want to. Um, I want to race all the classics. Like that's kind of a, a big goal, right? Mm-hmm. Or um, you may want to improve on your lead out abilities or something like something that's more of a general process. Mm-hmm. But then you can have kind of goals within that broader goal. So you could say, you know, with this race, I want to achieve this goal. Or in this race, I want to make sure that I nail the lead out. Um, so you can really kind of break down goals within smaller goals and again this is this is your job you know this is your job it's 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 your career you know i believe that you guys should all be putting that kind of thought and effort into your performance right so you know across any job across any sport well yeah even in the corporate world so i've done a lot of corporate consulting and you know goal setting is really important um it's a good way to to make sure you're on track um, it's just just Maybe like anything. Even in life, yeah. general in, life. In, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, even with with you know a marriage, um, setting a strategy of of you know within ten years we want to be here, twenty years we want to be there, and then making sure that you're always tracking towards that kind of strategic vision of where we want to be. So same thing within your career. You know, you can think about you know your career as a cyclist. There's going to be different phases within your career. You're going to be a neo pro. You're going to move into kind of a more mainstream role, maybe support role, and then maybe you'll be the featured rider on on certain races. Yeah. Um, so, you know, thinking about that career and that career path and then thinking about what you need at those different stages and what skills and kind of even just the way you think um, needs to be tweaked throughout mm-hmm. your career. Um, so I'm a big believer in that. I'm also a, a big believer in and kind of self-awareness and understanding your personality. So I do a lot of personality assessments with um, with some some riders where you just kind of know, it's kind of like an operating system on a computer. You just know how you operate. Mm-hmm. And once you understand that a little bit more in depth, then you can come to kind of like a quicker realization as to why you react in certain situations or why you're motivated in a certain way mm-hmm. or what kind of gets you um, off track easily, and so you can kind of just kind of know. And how, how do you do these personality tests? Like, what would be a typical sort of question you might run? Oh boy, well, that's the thing. It's is a, it just like a sheet of it, questions that you yeah. don't really know what you're answering? Exactly. Well, give me an example of one. Like, you do a quick personality uh, test. So, like probably, probably the uh, the most entertaining one. Um, it, it comes from. Can you trial it on me now, or is it too hard? Uh, no, there's like 300 questions, okay. but they're really short, okay. right? So, so the one question, the probably the most entertaining question is, um, I'm I'm the life of the party, true or false? True. Okay. So it's it's those kind of questions that are really kind of can they you gauge, seem. Can they, you gauge me up yet? No, not at all. <laughs> but um, 
but you, you you have a series of questions that <laughs> that don't have much what's called face validity because it, you can't really figure out what they're trying to get at. Um, but what they've done from a research perspective, they've taken all those questions. They they know that if someone answers them in a certain pattern, then they know they behave in a certain way. Yeah, right. So they know that if you're the life of the party, if you answer that question, then you are probably going to be um, maybe mischievous. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe a risk taker, okay. which are both things that I would expect professional cyclists to yeah, probably yeah. probably do. I'm gonna have yeah. to get you to give me a um, a uh, personality yeah. uh, analysis. I could definitely, good. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely do that. that. We should just yeah. do the party on that next yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Next next week. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and it also helps with with you know within the the team too. So if if you're working with your teammates and you have that understanding of you know how someone like happy works you know then you can have that kind of um like for know. instance we won't room together or we will room together yeah. or maybe we shouldn't um well we can we've obviously got to make things work even yeah. if they don't work personality wise but there's small tweaks you could probably do along the way easy to make tweaks. sure two magnets aren't smashing yeah, yeah. And, and it's simple tweaks it's not we're not talking about you know i don't believe that you need to try to reinvent yourself or radically change who you are it's more about tweaking your behavior so that maybe you're just not pissing someone off as much as you and were you in the won't, past. You won't mean to do it. It's just no, who you it's are. it's just who you are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It so, takes more effort for you not yeah. to be yourself yeah. to stop exactly. pissing them off. So again, it goes back to energy management. If you're spending your energy trying to, to you know, not be that that person, you're wasting your energy. Yeah. You know, there's easier ways to deal with it. We've sort of covered it. What do you think, in your opinion, what sets great athletes apart from standard athletes? Is it that network or is it is it the headspace? Obviously, there's the physical side of things, but I feel we're at the top of the tree and there's sure there's, there's physical differences, but not a whole lot, you know? And on any given day, you know, you've, you've always got a winner. Mm. Is, it that, is it that network or is it a combination of that um, headspace? Is it... It's a combination of everything, in your opinion. So in my, in my opinion, I, I think that um, it goes, goes into this. There's a theory within social organizational psychology um, that says behavior is a function of the person times the environment. Okay, so um, if you think about that for, for, for a second and you think about the behavior of a winner, you know, a, a, a champion, okay, someone that is always achieving at the highest level, and you think about so their behavior, what they they believe they can win. They or, they just win, yeah, right? So win, yeah, right. you know whether you're talking about like I don't know, like a Ronaldo or um, you know you you name you name the athlete, um, they're just winners. Mm-hmm. They get it done. Um, you look at their their person. So the person themselves, and I think in terms of personality. So what's their personality? What's their mindset? What's their makeup? Um, but then within elite sports, there's also just that talent aspect. So you just have to have that kind of that the genetics, yeah. you know, the, the talent. Um, you need to have the commitment. And that probably goes to personality to, to train it properly, to take care of yourself. Um, but then you also have the environment. You know, that's the team, that's the support network, um, that's the, you know, maybe even um, the sport itself, uh, maybe it's the media. Um, but when you take all, both of those aspects, that individual, 
the individual talent, the individual personality, um, the, the skills that they've built up over the years, the practice they put in, that, that old adage of you know, 10,000 hours to become a, a, a true expert. Um, I think that's certainly true. 10,000 hours, is that right? Yeah, yeah. so there's a, a line of, of thinking and, and some pretty interesting research that kind of says to be considered an, an expert um, within your given field, whether you're a musician um, or probably, an, well, an athlete, yeah. you have to put in 10,000 hours of, of practice, of work, yeah, in order right. to get to that level. Huh. Right, so... Um, so yeah, but but I, I but I think that the environment is also a big big factor, um, and then also the the behaviors themselves. So there probably are some behaviors of those um, those champions that you know I don't think that there's consistent behaviors across those people. You know the outcomes are consistent; they're always winning, they're always but but the behaviors that I'm unsure about that I'd be curious to to think about is, you know, how do they react to the losses? How do they um, rebound after a, oh. a tough go? Um, and, I, and I bet there would be some, some similarities in the champions versus the non-champions. Um, so resilience is a pretty big topic right now in the area of sports psychology, and, and, and for good reason. Because, you know, no matter what, you're going to have setbacks in your career. So it's yeah. a matter of how resilient, how quickly can you bounce back and get back into that championship form. And what about, do you think, um, handling with pressure? You know, like these guys, I, I feel the, you know, they're able to perform under pressure. They're able to perform also when there's, there's not too much pressure. But I think it's something they've got to live with, mm. um, is pressure. And it's something that I was talking with a young sprinter a couple of years ago. And I said, he was, he was struggling a little bit with the pressure. And I said, unfortunately, we're in a small race. And I said, unfortunately, mate, it's only going to get worse for you. I said, that's going to be something that you're going to have to just understand and live with. And I use Cavendish as an example. I said, every race that he goes to, he's expected to win, whether he likes it or not. But he's worked out a way to deal with that. Yeah. Um, and that's what I think the key is, is, is working out a way to deal with it. Um, there's no one size fits all on how to deal with it. Um, but again, going back to that support network, yeah. that's where, you know, making sure that you have a good sports psychologist, um, you know, sports psychologist that's squarely focused on performance. So it might be something around imagery. It might be something around, um, you know, preparation, or it might even be something about, you know, how you recover psychologically from, you know, those moments of intense pressure. Mm. Um, so whatever works for you, whether it could, yeah. it could be literally uh, a simple one, coming back having a party, or it could be just coming back and just hanging out with your your wife or your yeah. missus. Yeah. And again, that that's largely dependent upon uh, the individual's preferences, their personality, you know, who they are, what their makeup is. Also, it's it's about their past. You know, it's, it's how they grew up. It's what works for them. So there's no one size fits all. Um, but what I what I would say is that. Um, you know, an athlete within that situation needs to figure out what does work with them and then stick to that routine um, to be consistent. Mm. And that's probably what the great ones do. They probably have that consistent 
routine. They know what to do. They know what, how to achieve it, to get in that mindset, and then also how to repeat it. Do you think they're consciously aware that they're doing that? Or do you think sometimes some of them have naturally um, stumbled across that success network and success? Yeah, so that's, so that's one really interesting question is, is um, do you create the network or does the network create you? Yeah. You know, I think with certain athletes, because they get identified so early on in their career, people actually rally around them to make sure that they're being supported. Yeah. So you hear stories of, of, you know, athletes, you know, that have the same coaches since they were, you know, 12 years old. Well, partially it's because that, that coach may have realized that they have a gem. Yeah. And they want to hold on to that gem, yeah. you know, and, and make sure that they help them achieve the, the highest level possible. Um, you know, so, yeah, I think I think uh, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, so you can either go out and build that network yourself um, or you can leave it to happenstance. And, you know, hopefully people rally around you and want to give you support um, and then maybe it'll work out. But, you know, I am I, I personally believe that, you know, it's your career. You should be able to design it, totally. um, and and hopefully execute that that plan. I think it's, yeah. I think to to summarise today, because we've gone over quite a lot of points, and I'm sure there's going to be some people out there listening still aspiring to be um, a professional writer or a professional in whatever they are, sport or in their work. But from what I can gather, what you've just sort of been saying today is, and something I I knew about, but maybe I've underestimated, is that. That support network is crucial to that day's performance, your career's performance, achieving that goal, whether you realize it or not. Those people around you are the ones who are going to help you and put you in that right headspace to to get there. Is that yeah? So correct. So you know, your podcast is called Life in the Peloton. Yeah. Right, and I think the people outside the peloton are a big part of life in the Peloton. Yeah, nice. You know, so it's not just the riders on the road. You know, each rider brings with them a, a network of people that are um, fully committed and, and, and absolutely engaged in their success and their failures. Mm. You know, we, we, whether you're a fan or whether you're someone who's working with you professionally, you know, we're all invested mm. in, in how you perform out there. Um, you know, both the good days and the bad days. And, you know, certainly crashes happen and, and um, you know, everyone feels that. So it's, it, there is a sense of, um, of, of it's not just about those individuals. And, yeah, there, there, it is a team sport. So it's not just the individual cyclists, but it's the teams out there that are competing and trying to, to work and leverage those kind of team dynamics. But then it even extends further beyond that. Mm. So it's that team outside, the team on the road, um, even to the fans. I mean, that's a big part of this system, right, is that if the fans are engaged and invested, then the sport itself survives. Yeah. And, and, and if the sport itself survives, then, you know, conditions for the athletes can improve. You know, you can have longer careers. You can have financially more, yeah. you know, more lucrative careers. Yeah. Um, so those are all things that kind of come into play. And it's not every day we just stop and think about that bigger picture. It's not every day that we kind of zoom out. Um, you know, usually we spend our days zooming in on the task at hand. But I think it's really important uh, to periodically 
kind of zoom out and think about those bigger pictures. Think about the things that you typically don't think about, because it's those, those, um, it's those forces that are at play, and that do, in my opinion, um, contribute to performance on the day. So you can either you know ignore it and just you know let the wind blow whichever way it's going to go, um, or you can take a look at the um, the weather report yeah. for the week and, and try, anticipate. Yeah, exactly. You and know, control things a little. So bit. why yeah. wouldn't you want to do that? Yeah. So anyway, that that's again that's part of the way I do my work is kind of force people to think about those things and help them think through strategies. Um, think through ways to cope better in situations and, you know, basically work with, with the entire system, the team and the individuals to try to, um, you know, I don't want to say marginal gains, but it really is about yeah. marginal gains. I mean, you know, I'm realistic. The, the support network, um, it's, it's going to be tough to, to measure the impact of adding someone to your support network or it's going to be tough to measure um, reducing uh, interpersonal conflict on the team bus um, and how does that impact your performance the following day you, you can't measure yeah, it's, right? it's zooming out it's like what you said but common sense yeah, says that yeah. it can only help yeah. so, so why so wouldn't you want to do it yeah. so it might be a marginal game but it's a game yeah. and then I often think about you know it's 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 you know in my my view Orica versus another team which team is doing those things better which team is supporting their athletes better, making sure that the, the, the team runs smoothly, has you know, minimal conflict between different, you know, different groups within the team, um, and you compare that to a competitor, and which team does it better? Yeah, exactly. So. Interesting. Well, it's been, um, it's been a good chat. You know, like yeah. I, think, I feel like we've only sort of scratched the surface there. Unfortunately, you know, I sort of need to walk away now and take a bit of this in and come back and revisit it again um, and we can get a bit deeper. Well, I'm definitely, definitely open to uh, having a podcast on your personality because <laughs> I think all listeners would like to hear more about yeah. your personality and yeah, maybe, maybe you might you might not want to be sharing it with, with uh, all of your followers, but on the other hand, you might, yeah, you might want to. You're, yeah, you're the kind of guy that will just put it out there and just yeah. let, it, let it rip. Yeah, for know? sure. Yeah, so... Right. Thanks, All right, Brian. Cool. Yeah, Mitch.